First, we will corner the market in California, then the entire country. But in order to do so, we need bongs, ports, and trucks, and we need Manny and Corky's muscle to make sure the construction sites are only using our stuff. Excuse me, we've got this room for like another hour, please. Jesus. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast covering the latest and greatest on streaming. I'm David Chen. I'm Siddhant Adlaka. Welcome to the podcast. On today's edition of This Week in Streaming, we're going to be covering Barry, Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2. That's Barry, Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2, Episode 1 entitled Yikes, Episode 2 entitled Bestest Place on Earth. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Decoding TV. We're broadcasting live right now at youtube.com slash decoding TV. We may read off people's questions and comments. And if you want to be included in that, be sure to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash decoding TV as well. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning into this for the first time, uh, what we do here on This Week is Streaming is there's a bunch of TV shows that are amazing, that are awesome, but that it doesn't quite make sense to do a week-by-week recap for. So on uh, This Week in Streaming, we cover the beginnings of shows when they premiere. We also cover the endings of shows, do a season overview. So that's what we're going to be doing with Barry. We're covering the first two episodes. We'll be back later to cover the entire season four. I believe there's going to be eight episodes of Barry season four, and I believe all of them are directed by Bill Hader, if I'm not mistaken. So... Uh, yeah, and that is it. We've really been excited to cover beef here on This Week in Streaming. Be sure to check out those episodes that uh, Sedanta and I did at podcast.decodingtv.com and also on youtube.com slash decodingtv. But let's get into Barry. Sedanta, are you excited for Barry to come back for season four? What were your thoughts like going into this episode? Oh, man. Um, I am one of the people who thought that Barry season three was sort of a high watermark for modern television and um, especially the episodes directed by Bill Hader. So seeing that he was not only back directing more, but uh, directing the whole season was incredibly exciting to me. And I think where the previous season left off, um, it, it sort of left things in a very unpredictable place. And, um, yeah, there was no way to really anticipate what the season was going to be other than the very basic premise of, you know, where Barry is. And I'm sure we can, you know, spoil, especially because it's been in the marketing. He's in prison. Um, yeah, and so I was excited to see what the show and what Hader, the director, and Hader, the actor, would do with this, like, I guess, a sort of fresh scenario um, in which Barry, the character, seems to be just having a near complete break from reality, which is always nice. Indeed. Uh, I was very excited as well. A lot of really incredible filmmaking in Barry season three. So uh, let's dive into it. As Siddhanth mentioned, we are going to be spoiling episodes one and two. We're not going to spoil anything from future episodes of Barry that includes anything on the next time on preview, anything else we might have seen. But I will summarize some of the stuff that happened in these two episodes. As yeah, and, mentioned, and thank, Bar- you not, thank, thank you for not commenting on my drink just now. Oh, yes. Uh, Sedan's dragon fruit smoothie. Um, Barry ends up in prison and finally begins to grapple with the enormity of what he's done. Sally visits home and fails to find a sympathetic ear with her parents. She returns to L.A. to find her career is basically over. She also meets up with Barry to make sure the gang member she killed last season in self-defense has been disposed of, but confesses that she feels safe with Barry as well. 
Fuchs makes a deal with the FBI to get Barry's confession on a wire, then decides to actually do right by Barry and changes his mind, only to find Barry has decided to go to the FBI himself and makes a deal for a new life with one unknown person he wants to take with him. Gene is finally being celebrated for his actions from last season. He agrees with Janice's dad that he won't talk to the press, but ends up giving the whole story to a journalist via a one-man show. Hank and Cristobal seem to have settled into a good life in Santa Fe, but they realize there is a business opportunity in bringing rival gangs together and shipping sand to construction companies, which they do at a Dave and Buster's. Hank wants to break Barry out of jail to help with this enterprise, but before realizing Barry is going to turn on him and then deciding Barry needs to die. So those are some of the major plot points from episodes one and two. So now let's, talk, let's start with overall thoughts. What did you think of the first two episodes of the new season? Look, I'm I'm a sucker for any <clears throat> TV comedy that tries to do anything different stylistically, and so uh, I was in the bag for this pretty much throughout um, because it's so just it it feels like an emotional knife constantly plunging into you. Pretty much everything that happens at this point, it's still quite funny, um, but with the way Barry has gone, it's um, it's. You know, every character seems to be going through just the worst possible time. And that's that's my kind of television, man. Yeah. Misery. What about you? Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I think it's it continues to be very solid. I think for a lot of this show, I've been wondering what it is that Barry's trying to say. You know, like Barry the show, not the character. Like, what mm-hmm. what is Barry mm-hmm. trying to say? And I think that they finally have settled on at least what the topic is going to be, right? And and the topic is going to be, can somebody like Barry be redeemed? That That, that is my sense of where this sh- season is going. And yeah. I think the show, I think the show is likely to have, um, if not a satisfying answer, at least a satisfying way of presenting its version of the answer. You know, there might not be an answer mm-hmm. or it might be conditional or something, but I think it's going to go in some interesting places. Uh, so overall, I enjoyed the first two episodes, but we have some specific topics that we're going to discuss. And why don't I start with this topic? Well, actually, you know, before I get to the topics, I did want to ask also, like, any predictions as to where this season is heading? What do we think is going to happen with these characters? Uh, because this is the episode to guess, uh, and later I can laugh at how wrong you slash I am uh, about it. So okay. <laughs> uh, I think we're. I think we're. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be the other way around. I'm going to be the one laughing at you. So you know what? Why don't you go first? Why don't you go first? Because I already have one in my head, but I want to hear what you say. I my guess is. Well, first of all, I think that uh, for, I tried to do this for beef, and I got everything way wrong. But uh, I'm going to try to do this again. I think that Barry is somehow going to get out of jail. I don't know how. Um, I do think that he and Noho Hank might make up at some point. Um, but I, I think Barry's going to get out of jail because I think it would be like just not as dramatically interesting if he was in jail the entire season. Like that just feels like a weird place for Barry to end as a show, especially if it's starting season four with him in jail. And I do think there will be, if not reconciliation between him and Sally, at least some something closer to a shared understanding that they met some of each other's needs. Um, And so I think, you know, we saw a hint of that in this episode. And I think that will be expanded upon in the episodes to come. Um, 
I also think there's a significant possibility that Barry will end up dead by the end of the series. So okay. those are just some scattered predictive thoughts. Sadanth, any idea where the season is going? Like, any, What would you have to guess about where the season's going? Well, I agree with you that he's probably going to get out of prison at some point, especially with you know Hank now wanting to kill him. Um, I, I do think that specific scenario is probably going to play out similar to what we saw between Fuchs and Barry. Uh, because, you know, going back to what we talked about, the overall question of the show, you know, can people be redeemed? I think Barry as a character has, you know, spent these three point whatever seasons so far trying to leave this life behind, trying to redeem himself. But now where the show is, in retrospect, it's starting to feel like all that was for naught. You know, all that was just for nothing. And he maybe, maybe he's been beyond redemption or beyond saving since the beginning. But at the same time, Barry as a show and the individual characters on the show and us watching it, we have this instinct to, you know, love cruel and terrible people, kind of the way Sally does. And I think, you know, Hank is probably going to follow that instinct in some way, the same way Fuchs did, because... You know, uh, as much as Hank probably feels betrayed by Barry, I still do think, you know, he loves him in some way, the same way Fuchs does. So I don't know if any of the people in Barry's immediate orbit are going to kill him. Um, I think just based on everything we've seen so far, we may be in for some kind of like assassin's version of a Goodfellas ending where it's like, you know, he, he's finally settled down and the past is behind him. Uh or whatever, but at the same time, like it's it's not this is not something he can move on from. You know, even if even if Barry gets everything he wants, even if there's no danger to him, even if he settles down with Sally, um, even if there's no one trying to kill him and he's left, you know, the assassin life behind. The the first two episodes set up forward? that he is going to potentially enter witness protection, right? And so like Yes. Yeah. And, and so maybe that's why the Goodfellas comparison, because spoilers yes, for Goodfellas, yeah. but like that's what ends up happening <laughs> with Goodfellas, right? So so maybe spoilers like, for spoilers for the real life people that Goodfellas is based on. <laughs> but even in yeah. Goodfellas, uh when Ray Liotta's character goes into witness protection at the end of that movie, um it's not I don't think it's meant to be like celebratory, like he got everything he wanted, right? It's like yeah. um, he had to make severe compromises and leave, leave a lot of things behind, uh, including the lifestyle that he loved. Uh, and I think that in the case of Barry, you're saying there's a possibility he gets into witness protection, but even then there will be a great cost extracted from it. And that's even if he succeeds at the witness protection, yeah. which which like I'm not necessarily yeah, yeah. willing to grant, right? So um, interesting yeah, and thoughts. Of course, yeah, I want to delineate uh, that in, in Goodfellas, you know, I'm sure um, Henry Hill would like to be, you know, back in the mob lifestyle. I don't think that's what Barry wants, but uh, the comparison was more for like, uh, just the scenarios themselves. Fair enough. But uh, on this week in streaming, uh, we will bring topics that we want to discuss. And let's start with this topic. You know, we've been mentioning like what it is that the show is trying to say. Um, I think Barry is a pretty weird show. <laughs> because this show aesthetically and tonally feels almost unrecognizable from season one. Uh, rather than a lighthearted show about show business that just happened to feature a hitman... This show, Barry, is now a hitman grappling with his humanity, and maybe there's an occasional comedic element here or there. Uh, I think it's been a pretty steady descent into darkness. And 
One other thing I wanted to mention that I didn't write in the show notes enough is that uh, there was the potential for this show to be like a straight up Hollywood satire. Many, it has many elements of that. For instance, season three, like one of my favorite subplots in season three is Sally making the show. It's an amazing show, hugely successful, amazing premiere, and then it's canceled by the algorithm. Like that is a yeah. cutting commentary on the state of Hollywood right now. But I don't mm-hmm. feel like that is the main event in Barry. Like I don't feel like that. Like the show is primarily a Hollywood set. There, it has those elements in it, but it is, I, I think, a character study of this character of Barry, and I, I think that's ultimately what it has become. So, yeah. uh, one of one of the other things I want to bring up is uh, I was reading interviews about this being the last season and how Bill Hader and the creative team were talking to the head of comedy at HBO and telling them that this, this is probably the last season. And I was like, and I was thinking to myself. Wow, yeah, I guess Barry is theoretically a comedy. Uh, again, these days, I think it has some funny elements, like the Dave and Buster scene in this ep- these two episodes were like really very amusing. And yeah. uh, the idea of like running a gang meeting at Dave and Buster's, that's like a very funny yeah. concept. But it's, but I don't think that's what, like Barry feels now to me at the very most a dark comedy, but mostly a psychological drama that has comedic elements. What do you think about the tone of this show and how it's changed over time, Siddharth? So I think regardless of whether this was always the plan or they decided to gradually or even suddenly, you know, move things in this direction, um, I think it feels like a very natural extension of everything we've seen. So I think it's it's definitely, like you, you compare like an early season one episode where it, it's mostly like, you know, there's dark things happening, but the tone is very wry. It's it's very like you know, lean back and laugh at these people. Uh, and now it's like, oh no, get get way into their heads and and uh, watch right. the torment unfold. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we've seen a natural progression in this direction. And I don't know, like, how many shows um, have done something like that where they have so gradually shifted in style uh, in a way that makes perfect sense. Um, like the only the only other recent show I can think of with such, uh, you know, wild swings between seasons is Search Party, but that was hardly um, a show that, you know, gradually or organically changed. It was one where each season was just a different genre. Um, yeah, I would say the Vince Gilligan universe, uh, you know, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, those are both shows I would say had much more lighthearted early seasons that then by the end became incredibly serious and um, and dark and upsetting. Uh, but even in their heyday, I would never have classified Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul as comedies. Like I would never in yeah. their early, you know, so so uh, but this I remember the earlier seasons, like, this is very, very funny. And it's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. And he just happens to kill people. Now the show is saying, hey, we're going to make you deal with the consequences of that, right? Like, you, yeah. la- you, we all had a great time in seasons one and two, but now we're going to see what the human cost of all that laughter was, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it sounds like overall it, uh, it works for you just because of the big swings that it's taking. Is that accurate to say, Sidon? Yeah, because, you know, I think back to one of my favorite moments in the first season. It's when Sally is doing, I believe it's the Macbeth monologue, and um, Barry enters just having, 
you know, thought very intensely about uh, having, you know, killed his friend? Or, or or does he come from, like, killing his friend immediately? This was a couple of I years think that's ago. Right. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, either way, that's what's on his mind. And he comes on stage with his one line, um, something about the king is dead. And it's it's devastating. Um, and also, I, I did want to mention that the the shift in the show that I've seen, in a way, seems to mirror, like, the process of, very fittingly, the process of becoming an actor and some of the various, mm. you know, techniques and and rehearsal processes that people go through. Um, so in, you know, in early seasons, you have Barry, you know, just starting to like, you know, tap into, you know, who he is and understand his own thoughts and change the way he approaches things around him. And that's what the show also feels like. It's kind of dipping its toe into this world. But then by the end of the third season, you have entire scenes that play out like Meisner exercises, where um, uh, Janice Moss's father, I forget his first name, sits down in front of Gene, and they just repeat dialogue to each other back and forth and back and forth. And it's one of the most intense and riveting you know, scenes I think I've seen. And it's it's straight out of a Meisner exercise. And this season seems to go um, basically method, but not in the way that we talk about like method in on, like social media shorthand, like pretending to be the character. Uh, more like in terms of, it's about intense emotional recall. It's kind of like the approach to Barry's psychology is almost exactly what it would have been if this was a show about just a regular guy having, you know, taken acting classes, you know, at this point in his training, he'd probably be sitting in a corner thinking back to like some of his, you know, Mm -hmm. darkest and most formative memories, except now that's happening with a, you know, spiritual crisis. Interesting. Interesting. So, so you think kind of, the show, there's a kind of meta element where it is kind of about the process of acting. It does remind me in season yeah. one, I remember I think one of my favorite elements of the show was um, the titles of the episodes were, uh, they, I think they were like titles of the chapters from Gene's book, if you recall correctly. Um, oh, that was, yeah. That was one of my favorite. Oh, so yeah. like here are the titles of episodes in chapter, uh, sorry, ep- season one. Make Your Mark yeah. was episode one. But my fat, my fit, and you know, um, Use it was was uh, episode two. Make the unsafe choice was episode three. But my favorite was uh, episode seven. Loud, fast, and keep going. <laughs> Loud, fast, and keep going. Sounds Which, like by a the way, George Lucas direction. By the way, is my philosophy for decoding TV as a podcast uh, nice. enterprise. You know, nice. loud, fast, and keep going. That's that's the only thing that animates me. Um. So what else? Uh. You know, on the note of the style of the show, I, I, you know, I don't, I'm not bothered by the, the changes in the show. I do think it's weird. And I think mm-hmm. that I saw like a very fractured reaction to the show last season, right? Um, many yeah. people, including myself, were like, wow, this is brilliant. This is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think if you wanted to watch Barry to see a comedy, I actually think it's okay that you're disappointed in where the show has gone. Like, it is not very funny well, anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not... Uh, it, again, it has comedic elements. There's a handful of moments that are funny, but, like, um, it is, in general, very upsetting as a show. 
and and I, I don't think it's wrong for people to like think they were signing up for one show and then have gotten another and be disappointed in it. So like if that's you, uh, totally reasonable reaction in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I I do, however, think that that maybe that might be like a, a misreading of the initial seasons as well. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, there were more jokes. This was still like from episode one about a guy who has basically lost the will to do anything except kill people mm -hmm. and finds acting as uh, an outlet for self-therapy for the fact that he is basically a mass murderer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, there, there are funny elements to it, but I think that's it starts out in a very, you know, spiritually dark place. And what we're seeing now is not a sudden, you know, spiritual crisis. It is the natural evolution of that same crisis. But I do understand that if people were going in with the intention of laughing at something lighthearted, they, you know, that's, I don't think the show was that from the beginning, mm -hmm. but uh, there's definitely a lot fewer laughs and a lot more like... Like I said, misery existential, now. But existential yeah. questions about life and the nature of humankind. You know, on that yes. note, my yeah. next topic, Siddhanth, is I feel like the show has almost become Terrence Malick-like in its tone and structure like and pacing. For, for instance, we'll often just get introduced to a character or a sequence or a setting with absolutely zero explanation of what we're watching or whether or not what we're watching is something real, imagined, a flashback. Um, something that's from someone else's perspective, real with imagined elements in it. What do you think about the way the show visually plays with reality? Because it's definitely at this point doesn't feel structured like a conventional show anymore. Yeah, I agree that you know the structure and the visual approach is completely different. But I think the the Malik comparison. I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, you take something. Am I way point, am I way know? off base? You can tell me from way off base. I, I, I get the instinct because, you know, you, you take like the beach scenes in Tree of Life where um, Sean Penn's character is sort of wandering through his past and all these yeah. figures from his life are around him. And it's, just, it's a sort of uh, spiritual image. And you do have, again, a lot of scenes set on beaches and on in deserts. On beaches, like last and, and beyond just like beach stuff, um, yeah. there is there is a vicious idea like sometimes Barry feels – and you know, I hate to use the phrase like a tone poem, Siddhanth. You know, like sometimes That's, it just, it's not like there's a typical structure to a lot of TV shows. And this doesn't feel, it's sometimes it's like, hey, oh, this is a cool. Sometimes Barry just feels like, oh, this is a cool thing. Let's just explore this for a little bit. Let's have a five minute shot that yeah. takes place in a jail, you know, like, and it, it just, it just feels very like un, uninterested in, uh, aping normal TV conventions. You know, it's just kind of like doing its own thing. So, no, I agree with that. But then coming back to uh, the Malik comparison, where, where something like Tree of Life, you might have this very free flowing, uh, you know, camera looking up at the characters and, you know, you feel like you're floating along with it because in Malik's work, there is this, this, I want to say existentialism, but in the sense of like, it, it captures existence in, in a very beautiful way. And ultimately, a lot of Malik's films, if not all of them, uh, kind of feel like they're about his relationship with, with you know, faith and spirituality, um, you know, especially his films from 98 onwards. But 
I, I think the way that Barry goes about it is completely different, even though the settings of these scenes are similar. Um, like, first of all, the way the camera approaches it, it's completely still. It's sort of chilling in a way uh, where, you know, even, even the visual palette kind yeah, of matches true. that. Ma- Malik, likes, that- Malik likes dancing with the camera and a lot of yeah. Barry's shots are static or often it's just like a pan. You know, it's usually there's a lot of pans. Um, but yeah. Barry camera movement is quite sedate overall, I would say, in in a very yeah. purposeful and, way, right? Yeah. And I think I think just to boil it down super quick, I think when Malik does it, you can feel the presence of God, but when Barry does it, you can absolutely feel the absence of you know <laughs> uh, benevolence or morality or whatever it is. I think mm-hmm. it is completely the opposite. If anything, it it does sort of remind me. Uh, some of the works of Ingmar Bergman, actually. Even though, even though, and this is why last season I started taking to calling the character Barry Bergman. Um, <laughs> but even though I think something like the Seventh Seal is actually probably funnier than Barry is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, not to mention, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Seventh Seal inspired scene this season, you know, like that's, that's where Barry is at this point as a show. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, great, great points on like what the, some of the differences are. Uh, so it seems like some elements of the comparison resonate for you, but it's not necessarily the first thing that you think of when you think of Barry's filmmaking style, right? It, it actually weirdly is the first thing I think of just because my association with, you know, reflective, you know, imagine scenes on the beach like that's even though a lot of filmmakers have done it before you have Bergman, Kurosawa, etc. My my go to the one that stuck with me the most is Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life, having seen that in a the theater when it first yeah. came out. But upon closer inspection, it's, I, I, you know, I think there are more differences than similarities. Yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. Siddharth, what are some of the topics that arise in your mind watching these first two episodes of Barry? I think first and foremost, like, we got to give Sarah Goldberg her flowers because mm-hmm. um, Sally, I think, is just it's, she's always been such a captivating character to watch. And, you know, we rightfully talk about how great, you know, Bill Hader is as an actor director, but there's always just something so on edge about Sally. Yeah. And there always has been. And she just, you know, keeps getting pushed further and further to her emotional limits. And I think this season you kind of, well, last season you kind of see, you know, what happens when Sally is pushed past those limits, you know, her explosions and, you know, the, the way she acts out and yeah. all that. And, you know, with I would say maybe with good reason. But um, but now that she has gone beyond those limits, now she now that she has exploded, she's kind of left adrift in like this helpless limbo, you know, with nowhere to like direct her anger and no way to like really reel herself back in. And um, I know we just talked about this show last week, but it does actually remind me of Stephen Yun in Beef about the way he, you know, carries his anger with him at all times, even mm-hmm. in, you know, scenes where he's not like yelling at someone. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, you know, a severely underrated performance. I agree with everything you said about the performance. And one of the cool things about this character is this is not an actor that I'm super familiar with, right? Sarah Gold, like yeah. this is the first thing I really saw her in. And what is great about this performance is it just feels like the performance and the actor are one, you know, like it feels like this is just that this character 
extremely high strung, trying to make it in Hollywood, trying to survive, making lots of compromises, and um, in significant portions of the first few seasons, completely oblivious as to what was actually going on. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I just think um, it's a testament to the performance that like I never question it. I never feel like oh, that's just the actor really struggling, straining to do this. It's just like no, is the, that is just she is that character. I'm sure Sarah Goldberg is very lovely in real life, um, but it's just I, I can't imagine her being not this, and that's why how good the performance is. So yeah, I, I agree. She's really great. Um, so uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is the character of Jean. You know, last season you got the sense of why this person has been run out of Hollywood because of the e- his ego and the terrible way he treated everyone. Uh, in episode two, he puts on a one-man show for Lon O'Neill. Here's my question for you. Based on the glimpses we've seen, would you pay to see this in person? And if so, what would your review of it be? Where do you think of this shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Are you a one-man show type of guy, Siddhanth? Have I ever seen a one-man show? I, I actually did. The first one-man show I ever saw was um, somewhere off, off, off Broadway. It was just this one dude reenacting the entire Star Wars trilogy himself. Wow. Uh, that was worth the money. Um, this, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it necessarily. I think, you know, uh, going in the the way the journalist does, uh, not knowing the story at hand, sure, I'd be captivated. But uh, for us, the viewers, I think it's very much a case of like, all right, Gene's back to his old shit. He's back to, you know, being self-aggrandizing, back to, you know, white lies and, you know, papering over the truth a little bit. Um, and, you know, he should not be talking about this, obviously, yeah. and he knows yeah. it. But his instinct is to, I don't want to say his instinct is to perform in the sense of his instinct is to create art, but his instinct is to perform in a way that, you know, suits him and suits his image and suits his needs. Um, what would my review of it be? I mean, he, he's clearly a capable actor. Like, I've always thought that. Like, yeah. you know, he's a bit of a dick, but, you know, Gene is clearly, you know, a capable actor because he's played by a capable actor. Um, that my, Like, I'd have, to, <laughs> I'd have to see more of the show to review yeah. it. <laughs> I, I think um, when, when, I was in, when I was in high school, I've told this story a few times before, and I will probably tell it again. But when I was in high school, uh, we were reading Hamlet in English class. Uh And my teacher said, hey, there's a section of Hamlet where there's uh, people who are actors putting on a fake play. Remember when Hamlet puts on a little fake play for his uncle? And uh, the teacher asked a question to the class. He's like, hey, how would you ask those actors to portray these characters in the play within a play? And no one knew what the answer to that question was. And he says, if it was me, I would make those actors do as bad of a job as humanly possible. <laughs> and the and he's like, why? The reason is because if they do a bad job, it makes the rest of the actors look good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and, and I do think that Barry has kind of uh, subscribed to that idea where most of the acting you see in Gene's class is bad like it's it's but then it's so bad that you don't question the fact that you're seeing other actors play those actors it's like who the actors are when they're off stage in the show barry completely naturalistic believable performances who they are when they're on stage completely unbelievable and ridiculous and i think this episode continues that trend 
Yeah. No, it takes it takes um, it takes a good actor to play a bad actor, and I, exactly. I sincerely exactly. mean that because the all the bad performances we've seen, and personally, I don't count Gene among them, but all the bad performances we've seen on Barry, as in like within the world of the show, are bad in such specific and familiar ways. If you spend any time like doing theater or any time like around actors of any sort, yeah. uh, you know the 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 ways that people overdo it the way people underdo it the way people lean on you know intonation instead of emotion sometimes and i think that's one of the things that captivated me about the show initially the fact that it was so scarily true to life about actors yeah yeah uh i i like uh the one thing i'll point out is gene's accent for barry i think he has like him doing like a new york <laughs> Yeah. You know, accent is you know, yeah. which is very very silly, you know. But yeah, uh, but anyway, I, I would. Uh, I, it looked like a good show to me. Sit on. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I would probably enjoy it. And he clearly had someone like in the lighting booth as well. So he's mm. clearly gone over like the lighting cues with someone. Like there's someone else there that we don't see who's familiar with <laughs> the beats of the show. Like, I like rehearsed. I I don't know if I, that's true, just because I don't think he wants anyone else to know about it. But we'll see. We'll, no, uh, maybe... no, but but the thing is, there are lighting changes. Mm. But I don't know that we know that he didn't do that himself, though. I mean, we do oh. see we do see him later. What I did enjoy is like we see him at the beginning, and then we see him later on, and he's like covered with sweat. That was like a really yeah. nice touch because it's like he's been doing yeah. it for a while. But yeah, I don't know because it was such a – it's a story that he only wants this other journalist to know. He had to go through the whole rigmarole. It would surprise me if someone else was in the booth, but we'll see. Um, okay, obviously, Sally, obviously because, Sally saw it, though, so, you know. Um, yeah. I guess just because there is a lighting change in the beginning. But this is not something I was consciously thinking about at the time. It's just in retrospect, yeah. like, hmm, was there someone else there? Right, or? yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question. Siddhanth, I think you had yeah. one or two other topics, right, to, uh, to discuss. Yeah. So one in particular, you know, we, we've just talked about um, the idea of um, – what was it? Yeah, is Gene a good actor? But yeah. is Gene a good person? I wonder. And I think that's that I know that's a reductive question, especially for a show like Barry. Um or how best to phrase this? Because in comparison to Barry the character, he's obviously much less of a bad guy. He hasn't killed anyone, and the only thing you can say he's guilty of is, you know, having been like a dick to people in the past and having fooled Barry into, you know, being caught and not doing more murder. But, so he's comparatively less of a bad guy. But, like, what do we think of Gene as a human being, as a person? I think the show Barry in general is about how we can't escape who we are. Okay. Uh, you know, the the main character of Barry is uh, somebody who murders people and then tries to get away from his past and then finds that that past is difficult to get away from. In the mm. character of Gene, we have somebody who is also an egotistical narcissist who burned all of their bridges. We learn yep. betrayed people, stabbed people in the back, was a jerk to a lot of people, uh, and then tried something, uh, goes through like a very traumatizing series of events, right? Mm. In last season of the show, season three, and then tries to turn in, turn over a new leaf. Um, yep. Tries to be kinder. Tries to be more open. Tries to like um, atone for some of his previous sins. Tries to apologize. Even and and I thought there was a very nice touch in last season of 
he does make this big apology to his former friend who he iced out. But then the friend says, hey, your apology is meaningless to me because it, it makes you feel better. But like I still lost that opportunity. So then there is a follow up of, oh, I need to also put my money where my mouth is and actually yeah. hire this person. Right. And that, that was kind of like a nice arc for that character. But this season we see again. It's creeping back. The the narcissism is creeping back. The idea that I must be recognized for what I have accomplished is creeping back. And yeah. and I think that uh that is something that is that's what the show's trying to say is like that core part of Gene, it can be hard to escape. And it's something that he talks to Sally about in this episode when he says, you know, there's a reason why Barry was able to ingratiate himself with both of us because both of us being narcissists, like we respond really well to that kind of treatment. So is Gene a nice guy? People aren't just one thing, but I think I yeah. would say that there is an inescapable part of Gene that is narcissistic and therefore in some ways self-destructive. You know, mm -hmm. what do you yeah. think? In a different show that wasn't about Barry Berkman, I think he might be the villain. Gene mm -hmm. might be the villain. But again, I'm, I, I know I'm approaching this in completely binary terms, which goes against everything you just said. I know. Um, and I want, to, I want to endorse what you just said. Everyone yes. that's watching, listening, David Chen, he's correct. Um, that being said, I think Gene would make a good villain. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. In a show about a narcissistic theater director. Yeah. Um, final topic, uh, Sidon, before we get to our favorite, favorite yeah. sections and favorite quotes. Um, I think, uh, did you want to talk any more about Bill Hader's direction in this episode or these episodes or anything about that topic? Or do you think we've covered it? I, I think I made a separate, I did make a separate note about it, but I think we ended up covering it because, again, yeah. I think the one thing that we wanted to talk about in pretty much every note we made somehow comes back to the show's visual style. And yeah. basically, I, I just wrote about, you know, how I believe that he's established himself as one of the best working directors in Hollywood. And I firmly believe that. Yeah, totally. Bill Hader and and yeah and it's cool it's a cool concept that one dude is directing not that he's a dude you know that's not great but like uh, inherently great or anything <laughs> like that but like but that thank this, you thank you for acknowledging your privilege that one person is uh, directing the whole season it, it makes it feel like it's going to be like a cohesive yeah. vision and it's very rare to get that in TV especially um, yeah. so I really uh, I really like that you know. Um, before we get to favorite quotes, uh, Siddhanth, you know, we like to end with favorite quotes. I do want to ask if there's just any other favorite sections of the episodes, these episodes that we've watched that you want to mention. Um, there were some really lovely filmmaking flourishes that I just want to call out, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Sitting at Dave and Buster's, like, the camera panning left, right, left, right. Uh, and, like, I think the camera's positioned, like, right in the middle of the table. So I'm really curious, oh, like, what God. kind of rig they yeah. used for that. You know, probably yeah. something from the ceiling or something. So that was like a really fun section. There is this bravura shot where Barry is in the middle of the desert. And a wedding party starts running towards the camera. The camera pans. All of a sudden, we're indoors inside of a wedding. Uh, and then you see an alternate version of, uh, I think, Barry and Sally dancing at this wedding. Uh, yeah. Kind of a look at the, the life they could have had in an alternate universe. Uh, I just thought that was an incredible shot. And I'm like, how did they do that when they're in the wedding? Are they actually inside? Is it, you know, is, are they still outdoors? Do they build a set in the desert? Like, I'm so curious about how they accomplished a lot of these things. Um, any, no, those any, were the two that, yeah, sorry to, sorry to yeah, cut you off, ahead. but yeah, those, those were the two that stood out to me the most. And, you know, obviously any like overt flourish like that will 
you know, stick somewhere in your brain. But uh, I think, you know, the one at the David Buster's table, I think it makes perfect sense for who Hank and Cristobal are. They are these, you know, uh, these guys were so full of life and energy and enthusiasm that they would, you know, coordinate and rehearse. Because see, the show is about performers at the end of the day. They would coordinate and rehearse a thing where, you know, they go around and like encircle the guys they want to convince and then in different directions and the camera follows them. And I think it's this lovely little, you know, clockwork brush stroke that I think I've, you know, never seen any anywhere else just go back and forth like that. Uh, because they, they, they even coordinate like where one sentence ends and another yeah, begins. Yeah. I, that that and, did strike me a little bit weird, the whole Hank Cristobal situation this episode, because the last time I think we saw those characters in season three, they were going through one of the most traumatizing experiences anyone could ever go through, right? It, yeah, um, yeah. If, if I recall, Cristobal was trying to, they were trying to do like uh, gay aversion therapy on or conversion therapy on him. And then yeah. Hank shoots the guy that was doing it plus crystal ball's wife in front of him you know, it's yeah. like this like a holy like really upsetting scene and i guess mm-hmm. they're just back to normal again this episode i am curious if this season will deal with the psychological consequences of yeah. all the terrible stuff that happened last season to hank and crystal ball and 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 just to finish up uh the thing about you know the the camera going around on the table and catching them in sync yeah. it it works so well to contrast with what happens later when um the the camera finally starts catching them in like isolated shots and they fall out of sync because mm-hmm. you know Hank says something that Cristobal isn't expecting which is we need Barry yeah yeah uh a really chilling moment, you know, and also Hank's Hank's been a Barry uh, stand for many, many seasons. <laughs> I am, I am, I am curious if this is the season that will finally break that. You know, it does seem like that based on this episode. Oh, hey, here's the thing I didn't even ask you to predict is when Barry says, "Hey, can I bring someone with me?" Who do you think he's talking about there? Oh, Sally for sure. Really, my my initial yeah. guess was, was Fuchs, um, because I I didn't think. That at that point, Barry thought that he could get Sally to agree to it. Um, but if it is Fuchs, no, but, yeah, go ahead. No, but look at that shot where he sees this image of Fuchs deep in his past, deep in the background, yeah. as like, oh, Fuchs right. has been fucking me up since I was a kid. Mm. And, then it and then it's overridden. Yeah, it's overridden yeah. by this, is- the Sally dream. Yeah. And so I wonder, in his imagination, is this a what we could have had thing or what we can still have? I what we can still have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're much older in that. I don't think that works unless both parties consent to it, though. Like, you can't just have, like, <laughs> if a gang member is going um, FBI witness protection, he can't just be like, hey, I want to loop in this person against their will to join me. You know, like, I don't, I don't, know, I don't think it works that way. But I don't know if you know this, but I don't think Barry's all okay up there right now. <laughs> like I don't think he's thinking this through. All right. Well, uh, a really bold first two epi- uh, episode debut for Barry season four. Uh, we will be discussing the end of the season uh, in six weeks. Hopefully it'll be with Sadanth. You might be uh, enjoying my ties on a beach in France at that point. So, uh, But we will be covering it regardless. Uh, somehow, whether he's in France or some some other way. Um, before we get to our favorite quotes of the episode, I do want to mention you can find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, at decodingtv. And if you 
are a fan of this show, first of all, do let us know at decodingtvgmail.com of this podcast and, and of this week in streaming. But also, um, if you want to support this podcast and make sure it keeps going long into the future, become a paid member at decodingtv.com. Get early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, and much more. Uh, all right, Sadanth, let's talk about favorite quotes from the episode. What's your favorite quote from the episode, Sadanth, and why? Well, I actually have two. Once again, I'm just breaking all your rules. You're killing right me. And center. You're killing me. I know. Um, so I don't normally watch TV uh, with the intent of predicting what's going to happen. I like to be surprised. I like to let the art wash over me. But this time, I found myself accurately to the word predicting two lines in particular. And I think that's a good thing because as much as I like surprises, I also like really knowing the characters so well and so intimately that I can predict exactly what they're going to say. One was when Hank says to Christabel at the very end of the episode, we need to kill Barry. And I think that, again, it just speaks to what kind of character Hank is. You you put it very rightly that he is a a Barry stan. And, you know, he's formed this sort of almost this parasocial relationship with the idea <laughs> of Barry yeah. as like, you know, a, a friend who he feels betrayed by, even though I don't know that Barry has ever felt the same way. Um, so that was one. And the other one I managed to predict, which is why I brought up this whole question of Gene, was when uh, Sally was sort of, you know, yelling at him for saying and, and saying, you know, why didn't you warn me? And, and she's, she has every right to. Gene responds with, we're both the victims here. Yeah. Which, you know, is technically true, but it feels like, because when I, when I said that to myself, I'm like, oh, no, he's going to say that. Because it is just, it's such, the, it's such a wrong thing to say in that scenario to that person. It is one of the worst things you can say in that moment, I think, um, just given the circumstances. And the fact that he says, we're both victims here, what he's saying is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know you, you know, lived with a murderer and all that, but like, what about me? And again, it's coming from a place of like, yes, he is a victim, but like now, really, dude? So that was my other favorite quote. I had a inter- different interpretation, which is that hashtag Gene was right. <laughs> you know, like, I think that um, Sally's trying to blame Gene for uh, for not telling her about what's going on. But Gene's like, hey, like, he got us, he got both of us. Like, it's not, it's not like I was, um, you know, I had like a special place of, pri- place of privilege compared to you or anything like that. But I think your interpretation is yeah. very valid as well, you know? Yeah. No, I think I think you're also right in that, you know, it is coming from a genuine place. But I think there's just something about his delivery that's like, you know, a sort of a very, a very like, you know, calm down, hysterical woman kind of thing. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but um, it just seemed like kind of slimy in that moment. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote... Well, like uh, I don't... I, yeah. Uh, my favorite quote from the episode is when Barry is talking to Sally on the phone. That whole sequence is excellent. Um, one of the things that Barry does, one of the things that Barry does from a filmmaking perspective is it will often hold the camera in a position longer than you think it should. And that lack of editing creates tension, right? Uh, and there's many instances of this. Like one example is last season when Sally's beating that guy to death in the sound booth, right? Like, it yeah. just it stays on that shot for like a really long time. And um, this episode, it would be Sally talking on the phone with Barry. Like Sally's talking on the phone with Barry and then she like takes the phone away from your ear and like the, the shot lingers on Sally. And the brain 
wants there to be a cutback to to Barry. You're like, I, I need to see Barry's, uh, you know, what Barry's expression is because like you you expect it to be, but it just it holds on Sally the whole time, or not for the whole time, but for a long period of time. Uh, and I think Bill Hader knows how to draw up that tension in the editing, you know, uh, and I really appreciate that. But uh, Barry says, I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you the part I didn't want to be true, end quote. And um, very moving, you know, uh, and kind of a summation of what I think uh, the ethos of this whole series is. So anyway, that's going to bring us into this week in streaming. I do want to mention that next week, Sinatha and I will be covering Dead Ringers, a miniseries that's available on Amazon Prime uh, and that is based off of the David Cronenberg film. So we'll be talking over uh, the film. We'll be talking over the first episode or two. We're um, still not sure whether we should cover the first one or two episodes. We'll figure that out. In the meantime, we'll let you know what we decide. Uh, but that is the next show that we'll be covering right here on This Week in Streaming, part of the Decoding TV network. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Siddhanth, for chatting with me today about Barry episodes one and two. We'll be back next week with Dead Ringers. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>